Hello everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Overwatch Now, your one-stop shop for all things Overwatch in the modern day. I am your host, Dylan the Dude, and with me as always is my other very talented, creative, and, uh, hmm, uh, not- Very questionable co-host, Music Man. <laughs> yes, he's, he's, uh, he's very, it's, the only thing that's not questionable is if he's gonna throw this week in Ranked. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny because I was recently, um, updating my commands from my own personal Twitch and I put in a throw command where it's basically just you saying music, stop throwing. That is fair. That, that is fair. That is something that happens, but we have a lot to talk about today here on Overwatch now. So let's get straight into our topics. But before we do that, um, we'd like to thank Dude Media for producing and sponsoring the show, as well as other shows on Dude Media, including Breaking the Lore, starring Nissa and Sarah, two good friends of ours, that do a deep dive analysis on many, many, many different unique uh, conversations and topics that you don't really find commonly anywhere. So it's a very interesting show, Breaking Lore on Twitter, YouTube, and Dude Media. A little teaser for Breaking the Lore, um, I actually heard through their own Twitter that they might or might not be talking about how much they dislike Cars 2. So if you're a huge fan of Pixar movies and wonder if there's anybody else in the world that hates Cars 2 as much as you do, that's the show to go to. You know, I once uh, a slight Overwatch with uh, Cars mantra, which is a very weird mix of things. Um, I remember watching Cars when I was a kid, and I thought I recognized a voice from it when I started playing Overwatch, but I... I swore I, I recognized it, um, but apparently um, there are no shared voice actors between Cars and Overwatch, and I literally just thought for some reason that Reaper's voice actor was in Cars, but that is not a true fact. Do not take that anywhere. I just thought that for like a solid year until I looked it up and figured out, no, it's not true, but Shame so done. weird, Shame. so weird, but anyway. Uh, we have a lot of news to talk about here on Overwatch Now today, and um, I guess we should probably start with the biggest and most impactful change in Overwatch. Um, the rip, kind of, but not really, of the Hero Band system. So, for anybody that has been paying attention to competitive Overwatch recently, they the most recent change that we've had with the Hero Pools is that they decided to unify the competitive ladder hero pool with tier 2, tier 3, and owl hero pool, which makes sense, but they were using high-level, generic high-level Overwatch pick rates in determining their ban, which led to its own issues, like, for example, May, not May, uh, McCree and Widowmaker being banned week after week after weeks for three weeks. So, and uh, the then they decided, you know what? Let's make the hero pool system just based off of owl pick rates, which makes sense because pros are normally the ones that dictate the meta in any game, really. Not really. That being said, another change that they did is that they decided to, for now, remove hero pool across all elos of the competitive ladder, and in patch 1.49, according to the analysts of the Overwatch League, is when they're going to reintroduce the hero pool into the game, but only if the team average of the ladder is above 3,500. So if you're in the team of masters or above, hero pools will be uh, affected, will be in play. If not, you don't have to worry about hero pools. 
So this leads to an interesting question, and um, music, I, I guess I'll express my take on this first, but do you think that this is a healthy change for the general state of Overwatch? And I believe so. I believe that hero bands are a good idea. Um, in, in the grand scheme of things, I believe hero bands are a good idea. But I feel they're only a good idea for the highest level of play. So to me, I kind of look at this new system that they're going to implement with uh, Diamond and Below being uh, hero band free, while Masters, GM, and Top 500 will be, you know, will include them. I think that is a good indicator of skill and progression, um, where from Diamond and Below, I feel like that's where you really learn the game. That's where you really understand how the game works. That's how you build your fundamentals. And that once you master things to the extent that you become a Masters player and you can stay a Masters player, that's where your gameplay needs to be refined and where I think uh, learning how to deal with uh, hero bands is going to be the most beneficial for you as a player. Um, I do think there could be some issues. Maybe at some point you can drop it to Diamond, maybe. Um, because it does seem kind of weird to put all this effort into a, like, what is it, 7 or 8% of the player base? Not even that, I think. It's like Masters and GM is like top 6% of players in the game. Um, but I do like the general, like, give the lower elos the chance to learn heroes. Don't uh, handcuff them with, you know, certain restrictions if they're not already super experienced with the game. And then once you get to those higher ranks, that's where you really get to test the metal of players. I look at it that way, and if I do look at it that way, I think it's very healthy for the game as a whole. Well, that's the thing. As somebody that actually grew from the bottom of the barrel, so, so to speak, because when I first started competing, I was at like 800 SR, somewhere around, no, around there. I was very unskilled at the game. And then... I started actually taking the game seriously, started to learn how to play the game, and that's how I grew as a player to peaking at ma Masters just this past season. So, the way that I see it, for I see that using the bronze through gold elos, you should use that as a way to learn about the individual mechanics. Uh, of the heroes and also get better at your own aiming because from there if you know how to aim if you know how to even position yourself for, uh, for whatever hero that you're play uh, playing then I believe that you can carry yourself to the platinum rank the elo hell rank that I often consider and the reason why I call elo hell is because I believe from platinum to diamond that is when team play starts to matter more than just your individual mechanical skill and I have met a lot of people within those ranks that would rather say F you and do their own thing and end up costing the game that that it's the sole reason why I consider Platinum rank ELO hell because it's worse in Platinum than it is in Diamond. In Diamond at least everybody can aim, everybody can position themselves pretty well, well everybody knows the mechanics. But in Platinum, that is more of a mixed bag because it's a bigger pool of play no, players. 
So this change with Hero Pools affecting only Masters and above players, that I think is a great change to the game because once you reach Masters, you're playing with the big boys. You need to know what the big boys have available to, to them and know how to adapt to even be at the top rank, no, rankings. Yeah, and not saying that, you know, if you're diamond or below that you're a bad player. It's just that there are things you need to work on if you really want to take competing seriously. And the scenes in... Because uh, I come from a background of having volunteered for a LAN event before, to work a LAN event. And we had an Overwatch event there. And you saw plat teams or teams of like platinum players like it was very weird that you don't have you know a ton of like really top skilled high level players playing at like physical events for cash and that's because you just have you know people thinking oh if i'm a a plat player or if i'm a gold player or if i'm a diamond player that means you know i'm i'm good enough to play in in tournament functions that's a start but Really, you're not going to win unless you have the understanding of the game that those masters or grandmaster players have, as well as the mechanical aim, skill, and whatever and whatnot. Um, so I do think that it is certainly a good idea to do this and to like keep this as a way of you know, kind of incentivizing players. Like if you see that you have to play by hero bands, that means you've made it. Um, otherwise, you're still learning the game, and that's perfectly fine. Everyone plays the game to learn and to have fun. And mm-hmm. pound for pound without going in circles, I think this is a great change. I think we've got a lot of potential with that coming up here in the coming months. Again, maybe down for including Diamond if it gets to the point where, you know, feasibly that makes sense. But I certainly do not believe that Platinum Below should be subject to the hero band system. And I'm glad that the Overwatch League has figured that out and how Blizzard has figured that out and has uh, kind of reflected top-level play in hero bands rather than the entire scope of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I, w- that I do want to say when it comes to playing in tournaments and playing in leagues is that... To anybody that wants to be a competitive player in Overwatch, my first advice is before you even think about doing tournament plays or looking for teams, know where your strengths are. Because my first tournament that I've done was the very first open division league that Blizzard held. And at that point, I knew that I wanted to be an off-tank player, mainly a D.Va player, since D.Va was the biggest meta off-tank during that time. No, during that time. And I did take the time prior to learn how to play D.Va, and once I felt competent and ready to be a tank player, to be a D.Va player, that's when I started looking for teams. Obviously, that was when I was silver, and I still had a lot to to learn, but at least I knew where I wanted to start. So... First, find out what where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, what you can offer to team you know, to teams, and once you have all that at least at the basic level settled down, then I would advise then I would recommend looking for tournaments because that's a great way to increase your skill there. Absolutely, and that's uh, really getting into competitive Overwatch is a lot of fun. Getting into any competitive esport is a lot of fun. 
It does take work, though, and I think it would take even more work if you had to deal with hero bans. So I think, again, everything that's going on in Overwatch right now is on an upturn. I think a lot of the decisions being made are on an upturn, including if this next rumor, our next news piece here, is true. I also believe that is a good thing for the uh, for the uh, for the lifeblood of the game. Now, again, if you're unaware of this, this is a rumor, though, so no confirmation has been made from Blizzard. But a very respectable uh, tweeter, I guess, <laughs> uh, um, made a Twitter post talking about how the development team for Blizzard is considering making the competitive open card that's currently in arcade for Overwatch its own separate card alongside the quick play card, the roll queue competitive card, the custom games, and even the experimental card whenever they decide to do that next, which we don't know anything about yet. Uh, yet. Personally, I do think that it's going to alleviate a lot of the um, long time queue for DPS play uh, players, because the thing about the open competitive queue is that you just hop into compet uh, competitive play, uh, play and you can play whatever hero you want as long as it follows... Well, again, it follows the same hero pool rules as the roll queue competitive ladder does. Uh, does. But you don't have to worry about roll locks. You don't have to worry about uh, about long queue times, generally spe uh, speaking. None of that is a factor. You just go in and play competitive Overwatch and you, you normally have the game within like two or three three minutes which i think it's good for dps players because they can play dps and not really have to worry about what other people think nah, think but the the flip side of that i do think that we are going to run into similar issues that we did before roll no roll queue granted the competitive scene would be split so it won't be as prevalent however gen as a general speaking for doing this kind of move I do think that it will help with lower queue times for DPS players. It will help people understand where their general skill base are as opposed to where they are as a tank player or as a DPS player or a support player. So if this rumor ends up being true, it I think it's more positive than it is negative for the community. I actually don't think it's really negative at all in really any way. I mean, to me... If there are, t uh, I do believe now after a uh, after a begrudging amount of um, time playing it, I have grown to respect the fact that yes, this game was probably built around two two two. It was not built to be strictly goats or quad DPS or anything like that. So I do love having roll queue and having the ability to you know, have three different ranks, not let my DPS rank affect my tank rank, and my tank rank not affect my support, so on and so forth. However, that does mean that if I ever queue for everything, I am getting the least popular role, which is tank. And I'm fine with that as a tank main, but I know a lot of people aren't. A lot of people don't want to wait for those queue times. So yeah, if you included the uh, open rank, uh, you know, the no roll lock, no uh, roll queue, as a card, I mean, it would legitimize that form of play, but it doesn't take away from two two two. It basically just gives you um, a different way to play the game. Now, the only it gives you more diversity. 
But the only thing that does concern me a little bit with it is, you know, Owl will continue to play by 2-2-2. I, I would be very uh, against if um, Rollock got removed from Owl. But, so, you know, maybe it would still be more popular because people want to be Owl and everything. You know, people want to be pro players. But I do think it's a great idea to incentivize people to play it because that is where DPS players will shine if they don't want to wait for the 2-2-2 Q, uh, Q times of, you know, 2-2-2. I don't, see, I don't now, really see much of a detriment music. Now, he, now, here's the thing. The way that I'm going to look at it, which I'm not saying is the only way to look at it, but it, I think it's still a healthy way to look at it, is, okay, we have both the competitive ladder with the Rolock and without the Rolock. I would treat the Rolock list competitive la ladder as an unranked ladder, where everything still follows the competitive rule, the competitive hero, hero pool, as as it would in the competitive ladder. Gives you something a little bit to well, no warm up on whatever role it is you want to practice for in the role in the Rolock okay, uh, la no ladder. All right, yeah. And then, uh, and then. Once you feel warmed up, because at that point you're already in a competitive mindset, once you're warmed up mechanically, then move over to the roll queue ladder and work on becoming the best tank or the best DPS or the best support there. Uh, there. That is how I'm going to look at it if it does come out li uh, live. But again, it's like... I say it's more positive than negative. Like I'm so concerned about all the negative implications that it ha that happened before roll queue. Thank you with goats being the meta for no for almost basically a year and a half, and with quad DPS being the only counter to goats aside from roll no roll queue. So it's just one of those where I I need to look look into it for no further to try to. I guess convince myself that none of that is going to happen. Like so far, my experience is that people generally stay with the two to two form no, format, and if there are multiple no, DPS, then hey, I can play ball. Exactly, <laughs> but, exactly. And I mean, I, I believe, and remember, this is only a rumor, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. This is only a rumor. Uh, this may not even happen, but if it does, I personally am a huge fan of it. Yeah, yeah, no, like, generally speaking, it's new content, it's new opportunities for people to try to, like, practice how to get good at Overwatch, That that's how I how I see it, however, if it doesn't happen, then I will lose sleep over it. I, well, and it's, not, and, it's, like, and it's not like they're cutting the legs out from under 222, it's not like they're uh, butchering 222 to include this, it's already in the game, they're just including it as an additional mode. So you're not taking anything away from those who want to do two two two. So I I think that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah yeah. And speaking of two two two, and we briefly came up with uh, Owl. Why don't we move on over to our predictions so, for this weekend's Owl? So matches. let me start start off by saying I am a very big fan of what they are doing this weekend because this weekend is more games than last weekend, and. Especially on Saturday. And we are actually getting three, count it, three games from the uh, Pacific Division um, 
instead of just two. And they're kind of spaced out a little bit more, so it's a little bit friendlier for people in the uh, East or, you know, in, you know, here with us uh, in the West, I mean, um, being able to watch. Um, the start times are 4, 6, and 8 for the first three matches on Saturday. And 8 a.m. for me is a perfect time for me to wake up while I'm getting ready for work, watch some Overwatch. I mean, it is perfect, really, uh, for my schedule. And it means I don't have to stay up until 3 a.m. in the morning to start watching a game, fall asleep, and then have to catch up on the highlights later. I mean, I'm not a morning person. My solution to that is to just wake up in the afternoon. But but at the same time, recently for me, I've actually been watching more and more of the 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. matches to the fullest. So I don't think it affects me that much except for, for uh, ruining my sleep schedule that much more. But... Yeah, no, I do like how we're going to be getting three of the, I'm going to say the Eastern ma matches uh, for uh, for this Saturday at the very least. We're not going to get that on Sunday, but we are going to get it on Saturday. And we're going to start off with the 4 a.m. Eastern Daylight's Time with Shanghai versus Seoul Dynasty, the most dominant Chinese team against the most overrated Korean oh, team. Oh, I your am, your tune I seems willing, to have changed I, music. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like, don't get me wrong. Seoul had a strong start this, se this season. They had an incredible start to the season. But the past couple of matches had made me go, hmm, is Dylan right again? Do I have to admit he's right? God damn it, Dylan. Dylan right. was very, very right. And let me explain why. So, the Seoul Dynasty have been the most underperforming, overrated team since the beginning of Overwatch League. They have never really led up to, or never lived up to the heights that people believed of them. And yes, going into this season, I honestly thought this team looked probably the best it ever has. Um, I think Michelle and Marvel are absolutely wonderful tanks uh i think gesture is a little bit washed but still a top level tank player uh if there's any saving grace to this team holy cow bedosin has been trying to carry them on his back uh being probably one of the best support players in the world if not you know i'd, I'd say up honestly up there top three support player in the world but god and he does have toby to help him and toby has been performing out of his mind and in my opinion, for the Dynasty. It's and just... even your DPS are not bad. Fitz, Illicit, and Profit are all serviceable DPS players. They are not bad by any means. Just, I don't know what it is about this team. They just can't seem to get it together. They've never been able to get it together. And that has led to them losing a lot of games recently that they really, theoretically, should not have lost. Um... I think the hero bands just really kind of screw them. It really makes them uh, play things they don't want to play. The only thing I think they really feel comfortable playing is double shield with McCree, with May, and uh, maybe you get some little variants here and there, but that's really the only thing that they are really good at. Thankfully. On the, on the flip side, though, we have the Shanghai Dragons, who... Like I said, has been the most dominating team recently coming off of reverse sweeping the New York XL, an equally dominating uh, Korean team. Uh, we did, team. We did call that going to a Game 5, huh? by the way. We did call that going to a Game 5. 
Yeah, we called that going to a game five, but I was not expecting the reverse sweep. I thought it was going to be more back and forth, like New York takes one map, Shanghai takes another. I thought that's what's going to be the format. I was not expecting Shanghai just going down 0-2 and then winning three maps in a row. In a row, but still, it's like, I don't think, it's actually funny because I recently watched an explanation video from either Reinforce or Hex. It was basically the uh, playbook the series that Overwatch League has under YouTube, and they talked about one of the strategies that Shanghai did on Hanamura with the Symmetra against, I believe it was Seoul at the time, where they kind of like split the attention of Seoul that a dynasty with the Symmetra TP and having their Baptiste being on a different angle while no while their Sigma and their May are on another an angle and it was a split strategy the team was not together but because the focus of Seoul was split it worked out beautifully and Shanghai has been shown plays like that time and time again I'm saying 3-0 against Seoul. You know, it's I don't want to say that because I do again, I thought this was the best possible roster that Seoul could field this year. I just don't see any way that they can really uh, come up against the Shanghai Dragons. The Shanghai Dragons, which is a team I have really enjoyed. They were uh even during season 1 when they were uh, arguably the worst team in Overwatch League history, they had a very underwhelming roster for a lot of the year, and then even their bright spots on their roster in Season 1 were terrible. Uh, (laughs) I mean, uh, Undead was a phenomenal player with while being one of the most scummiest people on the face of the planet, um, personally, as well as... I can think of one more... I can think of just one player who's even uh, more scummy than... I can think of a team of them, and it's Boston. Um, (laughs) Oof. uh, Big oof there, Chief, but no. Uh, Shanghai, um, this year, again, has the best roster they can field. Uh, Fleta has been amazing for this team. I thought Fleta was washed. Turns out he wasn't washed. It was just his team that was washed. And that was, lo and behold, the Seoul Dynasty. So I think the Shanghai Dragons do win this 3-0. I do believe it will be a much... You know what? Actually, no. I'm going to call it 3-1. Because this is the meta... This, these are the hero bands that most benefits the Soul Dynasty. I do not think it will be enough to win them the game. I think they will win control. But it's really a Shanghai dominant game here. I mean, Shanghai needs to play better teams if they want to have a some real competition because Soul might give them a little bit of trouble here. But that's in the best case scenario for Soul. Absolutely. Terrible, terrible matchup the last time they played with a worse hero ban. This is more favorable for Seoul, so maybe we'll see something different, but I'm not betting against uh, Shanghai. Either 3-0 or 3-1. No, I I mean, in Season 1, there was a saying when Fleta was on Seoul. The meta is better with Fleta, and Fleta has been playing Echo, I want to say to a similar degree, like how we saw Rascal play Echo. Like, he's just been completely dominant with Echo and just can really play any of the roles that goes up against him, so, so to speak. So it is going to be difficult for Soul if Meta can pop off on Echo like 
like he did before against New York in the last three maps, then this should be an easy win in my opinion. But moving on, we're going to have the Chengdu Hunters go up against a team we haven't seen in a long time since the start of the season, the London Spitfire. Now, if you're unfamiliar with uh, London Spitfire, don't worry. So is everyone else because they are a brand new roster. Like, out of the 12 players that they have, only one of them is a veteran for the team. And he's not even going to get C plates. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not. So, th this is going to be interesting. I do see hope for Shengdu in this ma matchup because in their in in the Spitfire's most recent performance, they haven't really been looking pro not promising. So, I will say that... Um, Shangdu is probably going to take this either three one or three two, no three two. So, so nice. They see here's where I'm going to. I, I now I I am the Shangdu Hunters stan here in this podcast. I love the Shangdu Hunters. I believe they are one of the top teams in the league, despite their uh, stat line and record not really reflecting it. However, I am going to give London a little bit more credit here because. What are the hero bands this week? Uh, music. It is Reinhardt. It is Ash. It is Reaper. And it is Brigitte, correct? That is correct. Do you know what is not featured in that hero band right there? May. No, no, no. Even better. Wrecking, okay. wrecking Ball. And here's why I'm saying this. Because one thing about the London Spitfire that they have going for them now is that they have a Jihun. Uh, who is a player that they signed who was underage, he, t he he becomes of age this week. And he is widely regarded as a wrecking ball prodigy. So, if, if, and I'm only saying this, if the London Spitfire can outball the best ball in Overwatch League, if they can play Jihung versus Amang, and... The Shengdu Hunters can't get around Jihung's ball prodigy, and if they play around it, and I'm not saying just Jihung's going to be the reason why this team might do better. Um, the Starlight, the the stars of this team, most certainly have been uh, Glister and uh, Sanguinier, who have been uh, just an incredible, like a very good DPS. I will give him all the credit in the world. I think Glister is potentially the best player on this team. The worst part of this team for me has been just their their lack of synergy, their lack of ability to... And that's because they haven't played a lot together, admittedly. If they can play a Wrecking Ball strategy with Jihung while making while enabling Glister to pop off on whatever hero they decide to put him on, I believe that this could be a much closer game. I'm actually going to give this game a 3-2 for Shangdu. I think it will go to map 5, but only if they play uh, Jihung. If the London Spitfire do not play Jihung and they play J-Mac or they play uh, uh, Brunner, uh, I think this will be a 3-1. I, I, I do not see a lot of hope in this team unless they can really use what they have, use the star players they have on the star roles they have to really pop off instead of bending to the will of a meta that doesn't really even exist anymore. Um, 
This might be one of the best games to watch this week. This might be one of the most exciting games to watch this week if we see a lot of ball play from both teams. But yet, 3-2 or 3-1 for Shangdu is my prediction. Uh, no, all right. And it'll also be nice to see London play after not seeing them for uh, a while. However, one of the uh, teams that we haven't seen for a while that just came back and looking completely dominant is playing in the 8 a.m. match which is New York XL up against the Guangzhou Charge. Both of these te uh, teams have had many, many strong show no showings in their past ma the matches. Guangzhou even coming off of a little bit of a win streak re recently. And New York... I don't want to say that this is going to be a 3-0 to New York, because New York did come off of a very embarrassing reverse sweep against Shanghai last week. And while I do believe that they will recover from that, I still think that it ha it's going to have more of an impact than a lot of people would uh, believe. So I'm going to say that we're going to be seeing a 3-2... I'll be more generous than that. 3-2 to two in favor of New York, but it will be on map 6. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's a weird one to say. Uh... I do believe that, again, Guangzhou, like I've said, much better than we give them credit for. Much better than anyone's given them credit for. Um, they finally figured out what they want to do with the, just a lot of what they're doing. I think Happy, Nero, and Eileen are starting to understand what they're playing and what their roles are on the team. Um, you now have a very consistent four because of Neptuno and Waya leaving, although... Why uh, you never really saw it anyway. Uh, but now you have a very consistent four. And I think Shu and Chara are much more comfortable with each other. I think they feel really good with each other as a support line. That being said, I'm going to be a little bit more harsh. I think Guangzhou, well, they are a great team. I think New York... I'm not going to discount New York's loss last week because, you know, it was a loss. It was a reverse sweep. But it was a reverse sweep to arguably the best team in the league. So I'm not going to take that against them too harshly. Um, if anything, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say New York is gonna win this three-one. I, I I believe they are stronger, especially with these bands, and I, I feel like they just will have it this week. I feel like this week will be a good week for the NYXL. I mean. The NYXL has been known to be like one of the strongest dive te no, teams, which they have had their showings with Saviobi on Tracer, with Libero on the not on the Echo. That has been their strongest comp, comp so far since Echo got introduced into Owl. Whether or not they'll play that against Nero's Echo, who also has been looking dominating, and Happy and Eileen's hit scans ca capability. Based, I feel like both Happy and Hitscan are like anti-tracer hit, hit scans like they know how to log on to a tracer to, and just click her head out of the and with mccree so, in the lineup i think it will be harder it, yes it'll be a yeah it's, it's gonna be a lot harder for save will be a lot easier for either happy or eileen eileen depending on who they play so it is going to be a close match definitely one to watch and early enough for all of you morning members that wake up at 8 a.m that ungodly hour for me but, but yeah, that is all of the Eastern te teams for that Saturday mo no morning. On Sunday at 3 p.m. Daylight Savings Time, 
we have Paris Eternal up against Los Angeles Gladiators. And before we get into predictions, I must say that Paris impressed me. Specifically, one player from Paris impressed me. So, last week, Paris went up against Philly Fusions and they debuted their latest pickup for, from that week in Fielder. A flex support no, board play, no, player from the Contenders League in, I believe it was uh, Contenders Korea or something like, no, like that. But anyways, they picked up no, Fielder and they brought it to map 5, ultimately losing to Philadelphia at 3-2. However, it's still an impressive showing and an impressive debut for Fielder because he was playing from his home in Korea with 200 ping against effectively North American te no, teams. Well, Paris is a European team, but what? No, but what? Western so, team, a Western no, team, yeah, a, a Western team, no team. So that is impressive of its own to not only play with pros on 200 ping to and to play to a map five with the teams. That 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 is just pure skill in my. In my eyes, when you can make lag irrelevant, and yes, I'm talking to you, Ted's cousin, our main tank. When you can make lag irrelevant, then everything there is just pure skill and coordination with the team. So, now that being said, back to the gladi back to the gladiators. They have been showing really strong as far as the uh, most western of western te uh, teams. Um, I think this is going to be another fun match to watch. Depending on how well Paris Paris performs and how well they respond to mirror to space and and to uh, even bird ring, I do think that this is looking to be a three one in favor of Paris. Now, ugh, that's now I'm as well as being a uh, very big supporter of the Chengdu Hunters. The dude is also a number one uh, Paris fan. I, I Paris is my favorite team in the league. I think Paris is just absolutely phenomenal, and they have a lot of great parts on this team. I don't know if I can agree that they're going to win this week. It's a very tough thing because the Gladiators have also been making a really good case for being one of the top five in the league. Uh, it's very much a... These, this is going to be my favorite game of the week. This is why I think it's going to be the best overall game of the week. Two teams I absolutely love to death and think are just extremely good, extremely strong. I still cannot wait until we see what the Paris Eternal do with Sparkle when he finally becomes an age at the end of this month and can uh, be worked into the DPS line. Um, and I do think Fielder is a great addition to this team. He really did perform very well. I don't know if he's going to perform well enough to really be able to overcome the stellar team that is the Los Angeles Gladiators. I think I will still agree. I think Paris is going to edge this out, but I think it's going to be in a very close map five. I, I, I think the Gladiators have a stronger support duo, naturally. A... Better off tank. I think Hanbin's great, but I, I don't think he's he's no space. Um, and I love Soon Nico as Soon and Nico, but they do have very stiff competition with Mirror and Bird Ring. It this is gonna be a very interesting game. I really can't call it. I'm actually going to 
I'm going to tentatively give it a 3-2 for Paris, but I'm going to refuse to commit to a hard rank for this game. I think this game is going to be extremely, extremely close. And, you know, we should also note that uh, they did lose a player this week. They actually traded their uh, benched support player, Cruz, to the Toronto Defiant, who I believe the Toronto Defiant are going to use uh, in place of their recently uh, retired um, Kellex, which, you know, they'll, they'll make for some interesting, uh, mix-ups, I believe, as well on that team, but, uh, that's a story for, uh, another breakdown when we break down a Toronto game. 3-2, Paris begrudgingly and very, very afraid to commit. <laughs> well, Maybe the next matchup you won't be as afraid to so, commit because we do have the Washington Justice versus Vancouver So Titans. let's note this. Uh, this is a very interesting note. So the Vancouver Titans were going to be moving over to the uh, the Eastern Division. They were going to be moving over to the same division as the New York XL, the Guangzhou Chars, the Shangdu Hunters. Well, I guess that's out the window because here they are playing back with the uh, the Western teams. And with all of the, with all of the controversy, all of the strife, all of the just crazy team issues that it sounds like Vancouver's been coming, been having, I'm amazed they're playing this week. I'm, yeah, me too. Like Vancouver lost their head coach. They lost probably their best off tank of the team, as well as a couple of other staff. Uh -uh from the lineup and we're still unsure because more players and more staff don't even recognize that they're a part of the Vancouver Titans lineup so there is something going on with this team that I think if Washington can get their act together play at their best with their best lineup so so far, and looking like it's uh, Tuba, Corey, Roar, Elevote, Ark, and Aim God. If they play at their best, this may be their shot of getting another win this season. Because we have, a, albeit a very poorly composed, but a still well-composed team in the Washington Justice. Versus a very unsure team at the current state. They did lose 0-6 to six in their last two ma uh, matchups. Their headspace may just not be in the game. Fisher, Fisher came out saying that um, there is still hope for the team, for the team, but it's like, I am I'm personally not sure with everything that's been going on with the team. I don't know what to say. Like, Vancouver comes out and they're still as strong as ever as they were with any of the Western teams, and okay. It's have to be expected, but that's under normal circumstances. We're not under normal circumstances, so I don't know how this is going to come so, out. So this is going to be very good for Ryu Hong, who is going to get a hundred percent playtime now because uh, he is my prediction to be playing their off tank uh, <laughs> on this roster that only had two tank players and now has one missing. Um, that's been officially let go. You see, here's the thing. Those people on the Vancouver Titans that if refuse to acknowledge that they're on Vancouver right now, uh, they cannot do that because uh, they have been locked into a contract with the Vancouver Titans, with the organization, that they do have to play. 
If they don't, it'll be a breach of contract, and all these players will never play professional Overwatch again. Uh, because they will not be able to afford to play professional Overwatch ever again. Um, as sad as that is to say, and I, I, I agree with you, I think Washington has a chance at this. Um, this team still is very mechanically skilled. Um, I would take any player on this team on my Overwatch team if I was building one. Uh, every player on this team is very, 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 very good. Ugh, it's just... I don't even know if they're going to play. I mean, they are under eight players, which means that by league rules, they should not be... Like, they're breaking league rules. I think it's, that's being waived right now during uh, COVID-19, just because it's hard to replace that. but um, Or to replace players right now. But the Titans and the Boston Uprising are both in really bad positions with their rosters, where they are kind of stuck in this they don't have enough players they don't have the players that the league requires them to have but so they have to make do with what they have um that being said uh i see vancouver taking a map but i don't see vancouver winning i'm gonna call a 3-1 in this game which is very very generous and i think it's gonna it's I can't say the same about my other Vancouver game this weekend. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason why I'm not even mentioning a prediction here is because, again, I don't know how this match is going to turn out. I want Washington to win this game. I want them to play out of their mind and completely raffle stomp against Vancouver. However... Despite all the struggles that Vancouver is going through right now, they are still the mechanically superior team. I acknowledge that. But mechanical skill is not everything. There's also team coordination. There's also trust within the players, within the staff. And that is currently not happening. So I don't know how that's going to affect the team. No, the team. So... Yes, like I want to agree with you that it is going to be a 31 with Washington, but I am just not sure. I'm really not. But moving on so I don't get a headache and just end up going in circles, we have Houston Outlaws versus Atlanta Reign. Now, last week everybody predicted that that the Shock was going to beat Houston in a 3-0. What... Last week, of all the matches for me, the most disappointing one was the New York versus Shanghai. I thought New York looked dominant enough to take the 3-0, and then they get reverse sweep. With Houston versus Shock, as a Houston Outlaws fan, fans, yes, I want them to be able to beat the Shock. They've done it before, before, but I knew that that was a long shot in and of itself. However, I am not disappointed. I'm actually happy with the Outlaws' performance because they were able to, one, draw a map, and two, on Numbani. They were... The Shock had five minutes to spare going into point three, and the Houston Outlaws held a defense down to 13 seconds. So I am proud of that performance. I am proud of the draw. Yes, the law the loss was inevitable, but there was some upside to that match. For this one, however, Atlanta is arguably a weaker team when compared to the 
shock, so I do think that it is going to be a little bit easier for the Outlaws. I don't think it's going to be that much. I'm going to say that it's going to be a, a very begrudging 3-1 in favor of Atlanta for this matchup. I want Houston to win. I always want Houston to win. I am probably one of their biggest fanboys fan as not a total... Uh, Dick Weasel to you know, to the rest of the community. Wheelie's gonna be so happy. You but, said that. <laughs> but but I don't. But it's difficult against some of these better teams for the Outlaws. I admit that. So I'm going to say three one in favor of Atlanta. I wish Houston just proves me wrong here. So I'm actually going to predict. Um, now I'm I'm a fan of Atlanta. I think Atlanta's a great team. I'm a fan of Houston Outlaws. I think they're a team. <laughs> That exists, um, but I enjoy watching them. Uh, I am going to make a bold prediction here. I'm going to make the, a bold prediction that this map is, or that this game is going to go three-one in the way of the Houston Outlaws. I think Houston just got their feet wet last week. I think the hero bands were good for them, but they were against a much better team, and I think Atlanta is a better team. However, I think due to the unex the un now having Echo out there available to be played with Mercy and with having just a lot going on with the team now and a lot of potential going on with the team right now, I think they're going to squeak out three very close matches. Three very close maps, I mean. Um I think they're going to lose one map very definitively, very dominantly. But I, I'm going all in. I'm thinking that this is the Outlaws' time to shine. If they don't win this week, I think their momentum is going to be tanked to the point of where it's going to be very hard for them to get anything else. This is the best chance they have early, while teams don't understand Echo that well, to squeeze ahead and get the win. I... And predicting a 3-1 for the Houston Outlaws. I wish I had your confidence in my own team. <laughs> team I really do. But the problem is, is that recently, and not even recently, like throughout their entire career, the Houston Outlaws have been looking very weak in the mirror matches and when they're mirroring the meta. So if Dante can pull out and... An echo play style that is just leagues above Atlanta's echo play no, player, which I don't even know who. I don't remember who it is. It, I think it was probably uh, Edison or, or something like that. Maybe Urster. But anyways, if Dante can outperform on echo, then Atlanta's echo player, then I can see where you're com coming from. But as far as anything else, they just can't mirror match. They can't mirror match. They shouldn't play what is determined to be the meta, which is currently tra uh, Tracer Echo. So, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a hard work for the Outlaws. And again, I want them to win. I just don't have that confidence yet. Not uh, yet. Also, Muma, stop doing a me. Stop throwing. Yeah, you. Muma. I I mean, I think this is probably the best chance for him. He doesn't have to play Reinhardt. He can play uh, Winston and Arissa, which. I mean, eh, it's not the best for him, but I think it's better than anything else at this point. And I do still believe he's a great player. I believe him and Rockus are both players that get way too much hate on this team. But they really need to start, especially Muma, need to really start proving that statement wrong. 
it's getting to the point of where um, it's kind of embarrassing. And speaking of embarrassing, uh, we have Boston playing up here next. Do we have to talk about um, do we have to talk about this Okay, matchup? so it's the, it's probably the, one of the closest games that Boston can win. Um, as both of these teams were the budget teams coming into uh, Overwatch League 2020. Um, the two most inexpensive teams, the, the weakest, uh, most un... Like, you know, no big signings for either of these teams. However, Los Angeles Valiant had a very good coaching and scouting sta- uh, staff that they picked up top-tier players for the cheap. Um, Boston did not. Uh, Los Angeles is going to win this. Los Angeles is going to win this, uh, 3-0. But this is honestly the best shot Boston has, and I, I just, I don't think they're going to do it. It's a very simple 3-0 for me. No, I, I can't disagree with that. Now, we've got, like, like I... <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's there's really nothing that we can say positive. I mean, there are positives you can say about uh, Boston. Um, you remember what I said a few minutes ago where I said, you know, Atlanta's, uh, you know, one of my favorite teams. I love them. And uh, so is, you know, Atlanta, I think, is a good team. Houston, I think, is a team. Uh, I cannot even make that claim for Boston. They don't feel like a team. They really don't. And in a team-based objective game like Overwatch, um, you cannot rely on one person to carry you to victory. And I don't even think Jerry is able to... I don't even... I I think Jerry is overrated. I think Jerry gets uh, beaten by... He might be a top 15 DPS in the league, but I I, I don't believe he's anywhere in the top five, anywhere near the top seven. He is just a good DPS player. That is all he is. Everyone else on the team just does. It just doesn't feel like anyone wants to play a team game of Overwatch, and that's why the LA Valiant are winning this easy. Despite being also another team that you know on paper doesn't look as good, but they really, really functionally are. It's funny because the last time I saw Boston, which was last week, went against the uh, Florida Mayhem. I normally don't have chat uh, open when I watch these kinds of live, not live streams, but with YouTube, it's a little bit hard, harder. And so I peeked that chat, and apparently what was being spammed during that matchup in one of the maps was spammed this chicken tender to send Boston to contenders. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm just like, basically, Boston is behaving like a contenders team. Like, they don't belong in the Overwatch League, uh, league which... It's saddening to me because this was once a team that went 10-0 and 0 in one of the stages in Season 2. No, two. This was a team that could hold their own against some of the biggest names in the entire Overwatch League. And going into this season, what is this Contenders team? I mean, why are they in I don't want Boston to go to Contenders because I don't want to see them get rolled in Contenders. Um, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Throwing shade. Boston made a huge mistake in season one when they got rid of mistakes. The player that kind of helped carry them into uh, that undefeated stage, uh, as, as well as a lot of other players. I mean, I think the OG Boston had tons of talent, tons of good players. I think the current Boston has players that might have talent. I don't know because they're not showing it. And would. 
which to me is interesting because you used to be a big fan of fusions. They're main I, tank. I still am. I still believe he is a good tank. Um, just he's not really being allowed to be put into a position where he's not. He's not being allowed to play the game the way that he wants to play the game because he has to really cover for a lot of the shortcomings of other players on his team. And in that regard, makes him play make mistakes that he should not be making, but he is because it, it'd be like if your support is feeding and you have to jump in with your Reinhardt shield to prevent that support from dying and then you die instead. It makes you look like a bad player, but no, you were only doing it so your support player didn't die. Which is a trade that you might have to make. And that's what he's been doing, and that's what makes him look terrible. But, regardless, I, I don't ta- I don't take it you have any different prediction on this game? No, not all at right. all. Well, let's get to another game that we might have a little bit of a variance on. It is the uh, 4am game that happens on Sunday, May 10th. It is the Hangzhou Spark versus the Shanghai Dragons. Shanghai Dragons win 3-0. I fully am confident in that statement. Hangzhou has been struggling. I don't think they really have a lot they can do in this in this matchup. And, and going back earlier when you were calling out one of the uh, players from one of the no one of the previous teams, a uh, scummy play uh, player. The one player that I can think of that is more scummy than uh, whoever it is that you called out. I'm terrible with names, so I already forget. Is Chris- is Crystal. And yes, I do remember that uh, that name. Because Crystal used to be a star DPS player for the Hangzhou Spark, who then took a leave of absence and has been AWOL ever since. Um, at the beginning of this season, the Hangzhou Spark did make, a, you know, did make it official that Crystal was no longer a part of the team, which is good. So, so yeah, I don't think you can get any more scummy that, than... Uh, what Crystal did. Like, yes, Dreamcast and Mufin had their uh, scandals tied with them and the Boston Uprising, but at least you know, but at least they were told to leave. Crystal kind of just up and left. Yeah, I mean, with this Hangzhou Spark roster, uh, my favorite player on this team is uh, Gu Shui. I think he is very talented. I think he's very good. Um, I doubt we will see him uh, a lot in this next in this game against Shanghai. I think Shanghai's going to win 3-0. I, I don't really see much going in the way of Hangzhou. Uh, at least not this week. I think maybe if they get some more confidence playing against worse teams, I think they might have a shot of doing better. But to me, this is one of the uh, kind of more bland games of the week. Yeah, I would not I would not stay up to watch this. I mean, I'm going to anyways, but I don't think it would be These... worth it. Don't follow my The mistakes. 6 a.m. game, however, uh, London Spitfire taking on the Guangzhou Charge, and this is all dependent on how well London turns up the first day, because they're either going to be really, really good, or really, really bad. I know Guangzhou is going to show up being good, so at this point, it's either a 3-1 London or a 3-1 Guangzhou. I think it's going to be a 3-1 regardless, but... I'm going to lean Guangzhou just because I'm more confident in them than I am in the London Spitfire. I mean, granted, I I know that I said that the London didn't look promising the last time that they showed, but they still look like a strong team to go up against. So I I think that I'm going to lean more against 
uh, as a uh, 3-1 in favor of London for this ma matchup, maybe even the 3-2 in favor of in favor of London. But I do think that this is going to be a closer match for Sunday than Hangzhou versus Shanghai, than Los Angeles versus Boston, than really any of the other blowout matchups that you could think. Think of. But now, so, but the real question is music. Those games are blowouts, and we're agreeing on those. How much of a blowout, or do we not think it's going to be a blowout? Do we believe this next matchup is going to be? So at 3 p.m. on Sunday, Eastern Daylight Time, we have Dallas Fuel versus Philly Fusions. Philly, put chips uh, in for heaven's sake. But well, no, that's you can't afford happen. to do that with the uh, the DPS line that Dallas has. One of the best, if not the best, DPS duos in the entire Overwatch League belongs to Dallas. That star, that star yeah. roster of the, um, that incredible roster of the season one Boston Uprising. Their tank line is in this Dallas fuel, and we cannot discredit uh, Crimzo being just oh my god a standout support player this season already. Shoot, I'm I'm really loving this Dallas team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the Dallas has been Dallas fuel has been looking. Very, very strong. Not strong these past, not these past few, not few matches. Like, I really can't see anything going against them. But at the same time, they're going up against a really strong Western team. Team. I think that this is going to be probably, if there was any one match that is the highlight match that you must watch if you're able to, it is this one because both teams. Are really strong, strong in their own right, and going head to head, it's going to be really close. Like I'm not saying that it's going to be a round seven close, but it's going to be close. Like I can see this going three two either way. That close. It's going to be a very good game. Um, I'm, uh, I'm. It's hard to bet against the Philadelphia Fusion, but they have made some very interesting um decisions of who to play this last two or three weeks um and i i believe with the current hero bans this week this is going to be much more against the fusion than it is against the fuel i'm gonna say this might be the fuel's best chance to upset i'm gonna say a three two to dallas of all teams because um i just feel like they've got more flex and i can't even say that because both teams are extremely flexible I think it's just going to come down to, honestly, flip a coin. I think both these teams are so good. I don't think it's going to be dominant uh, either way. Yeah, I agree with the 3-2, like I said. I'm just not going to commit to a team. Because both of these, either of these teams can pull out the 3-2. Yeah, here, like, okay. Part of this decision-making for me actually had to do with what happened with Philly against Paris. Philly looked like they were going to just take it 3-0. No, then Paris showed up, and Philly had to fight in that last map to get the to get the win. That, to me, showed a little bit of complacency with the Fusion. And as long as they don't underestimate the Dallas Fuel, which nobody should. Nobody should. Dallas has Note. Dallas has Decay. Dallas has Do Doha. Crimzo, closer. No, closer. Like, really, Dallas' weakest link is Gamsu, and he's still a phenomenal main. And they have Trill to pick so, up for him if they really need to. 
Right, and I've played with Trill, and Trill is just an amazing all-around play no, player. So, no, so to so to say that Philly is going to take this win easy, you must. Uh, I want half a pound of whatever it is you're smoking, but but yeah, no. I just don't know who's going to win this. I know it's going to be a three-two. I don't know if it's going to be a map five or a map six, but I know it's going to be a three-two to one of these teams. But yeah. Moving on from that, that um, we have San Francisco Shock versus Toronto Defiant. Toronto recently picking up crews from the Paris Eternals to replace Kellogg's, like we've mentioned before. Uh, before, I'm actually not sure, not sure about this one. Like I want to say that Shock wins this three, uh, three to one, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know if that's even. I don't know if that's being generous, actually, because Toronto has been looking a little bit shaky recently. You know, I'm actually going to very much completely disagree with you here, uh, Music. I think this is going to be a 3-1 in favor of the Toronto Defiant, and let me tell you why. So, first off, I have to say, Kareev did do a good job last week. Um, Kareev and Roki... Um, not uh, well. Roki is traditionally a support player. Kareev was a former DPS player that got moved into support. I think Cruz is going to help stabilize the support line. Um, Cruz, I do believe, is a great player, formerly of the Paris Eternal. Um, his biggest claim to fame, though, in the last year and a half, two years, was of course the infamous uh, game against um, Atlanta where Dogman jumped up and shouted mid-game, Cruz is a feeder! <laughs> um, so Cruz hasn't really gotten a lot of respect put on that name uh, recently. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's a great player. He is really a solid player. I actually picked him up for my fantasy league at the very beginning of the league before realizing, crap, he's not going to play because of all that disrespect put to his name. But... No, he is a really good player, and I think he will be doing wonders for this team. That being said, remember my flowchart. Um, are the San Francisco Shock able to play Reinhardt? Check yes. If not check yes, then I don't know. Because I think that might be their biggest detriment, is that some of these heroes, uh, Reaper, Reinhardt, and Brigitte, are all really staples of the San Francisco Shock winning com uh, combination. I feel like the... I feel like the flexibility of the Toronto Defiant is going to help them edge out some wins here. I think this is going to be a very exciting game to watch. And it'll be really neat to see kind of what happens in this game. 3-1 um, for the Toronto Defiant. Uh, because San Francisco has shown they can lose. They do have shaky matchups. They do have times when they do not perform the best. I think this is going to be a good, clean game of Overwatch that Toronto is going to make the Shock play messy. And I think that's why Toronto is going to win this out. Well, here's the thing. I think that the Toronto Defiant is about around the same playing field as the Houston Outlaws. And last week... The Shock had a Lucio. They had a Reinhard available to them. They still decided to go with Smurf in the double shield comp and still look dominant on maps 1 and 4. However, maybe Toronto just has better players than the Outlaws in Surefour 
in Nelix in a lot of it, the areas. But with how Toronto's been playing, I would still put them at the same level as the uh, as the Outlaws, about mid uh, midfield, so so to speak. So I I think this is gonna be a not an easy three one for San Francisco, but a but a close three one. So. So um, well, yeah. certainly, if, certainly, it's, if it happens the way I said, it's gonna be an upset. I'm not saying they're the favorites to win this game by any means, but I do see an upswing for the Toronto Defiant, and I do see a downswing for the San Francisco Shock in this week of Hero Bands in particular. Now, moving on from that, we do have our last match at the main event. The main event, homie, let's go. Florida Mayhem versus Vancouver Titans. This... <clears throat> okay, how bad Vancouver loses against Florida is going to determine on whether or not they win or lose the Washington matchup. If Vancouver loses against Washington, Florida is just going to sweep them under the rug. If Vancouver wins, but marginally wins, against Washington... Then it's going to be a three-one in favor of no, Flo- no Florida. <laughs> if Vancouver dominantly wins wa- Washington, then it's going to be a three-one in favor. No, of- <laughs> okay, I was gonna say if Vancouver <laughs> dominantly beats Washington, it's gonna be a three-zero in favor of Florida. <laughs> I mean, here, here's the thing. Unironically, I believe that the Florida Mayhem is the most slept-on team in the Overwatch League. They are phenomenal. They have so much going for them that I think, honestly, they have a chance of really getting ahead in this May tournament. I think they might be semifinalist in this May tournament because they are actually a very, very good team that really benefits from hero bands. Um, they've got two great main tanks, Carrie Ann and Fate, so whether Reinhardt is available to be played or not, you do have someone there to play. Um, BQB is a phenomenal. Um, I believe it is uh, Yaki is the other DPS on that team that has just had. Honestly, if it wasn't for some of the other, um, some of the other top tier uh, rookies in the league, I think he would be a definitive candidate for Rookie of the Year this year. He's done such an incredible job for the squad. Even if Vancouver wasn't having the roster problems they have, I would still say this game would be a lot closer. And possibly even still going by way of Florida if Vancouver was at even almost full strength. So this is an easy one for me. I'm going to say 3-0 Florida, regardless of or of what Vancouver does in their game against the Washington Justice. Uh, Florida is just a team that I think we all really have to just watch for i think they will upset some really good teams i could see florida upsetting dallas i could see florida upsetting the shock i could see florida upsetting uh atlanta i i could see florida beating a lot of teams granted they will be upsets because of their perceived strength still being lower but i do think florida has a lot going for them but let me just put it in this way. So in the fantasy league that you mentioned earlier, I actually picked up a couple of Florida people. I picked up BQB and I picked up Chris very early on in the fantasy league. 
I have had no reason to bench either of them since uh, the since the league decided to go online for you know, this season. Like both both of them have had really strong show you know, showing that it's very difficult for me to just swap between both of them as players in my in my league. So that's why I'm not too concerned about Vancouver winning against Florida because I know it's just not gonna happen. It's not feasible. Florida's just too good. Nerf PQB for God's sake. PQB has been doing great for the team. Really, he has. But, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, no, that. So we're basically in an agreement that Vancouver is just not going to win, or if they do win, it's going to be against Washington this weekend. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, it it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be weird. Um, although next week, of course, Vancouver is gonna take on the Houston Outlaws. So uh, yeah, you're probably hoping for Vancouver to get really demoralized this week, aren't you? Oh no, I don't care about uh, about that because I know that Houston is going to beat Van- Vancouver. All right, well, that is a prediction, and you know I'm actually going to do one more thing before we close out the show here, and this is uh, this is going to be funny because this week, uh, this week of games right now, um, week fourteen, uh, that fantasy league that music mentioned, he and I are actually fighting each other in the league this week, so. I am going to. Uh, have you looked at this week, or have you um, adjusted your roster yet for this week? Oh, I've adjusted my roster for this week. I am so ready to take you on. All right. Well, so I'm just going to read these off for all of you. Uh, currently, the rosters as they stand now, and I might change mine up a little bit, but I think these are very solid defensive rosters. So, on the side of the Detroit Dudes, that is Dylan the Dudes team, we have Fleta. Edison, uh, Fleta of the Shanghai Dragons, Edison of the Atlanta Rain, Soon of the Paris Eternal, and Decay of the Dallas Fuel. Those are my DPS picks. And for the side of the underdogs, which is my team for this fantasy league, we have BQB, like I mentioned earlier, from Florida Mayhem, Shax from the Los Angeles Valiant, Nero, a recent addition to, to my lineup, from the Guangzhou Charge, and Mirror from the Los Angeles Gladiators. So, I am going to say, objectively, even if I do think that this is going to be an overall close week this week, I do believe that even you can say that my DPS line is a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, I have Nero and Mirror, probably. No, Nero, Mirro, and BQB. Those are my three best D- uh, DPS in this lineup. Like, I even bench Linkster, because I know that the, uh, these uh, DPS players are better than him. Him. So, dude, Fleta, so, I don't Fleta know. is I, gonna I, outperform three of your TPS combined. <laughs> are you sure about that? Can you promise me that? Look, Dad? because the way I see it, I think Nero is going to give Fleta a run for his money. Okay, say that happens, Decay finishes it off. I mean, those two themselves. BQB, BQB matches up. BQB matches up against it. I disagree. Strongly, <laughs> because Decay on average gets a hundred something points. BQB last week got sixty. I don't think that's going to be as close as you think it is. Uh, and then I have Edison, and I have Soon. I, 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 I and you have Shacks. You have Shacks. Shacks music. Shacks. But but I also have Mirror. True, true, and you know that will be soon versus mirror because that's the game that they're playing together, and we'll see uh, who outperforms the other in that case. Um, 
going on to our tank line, because I just want to uh, analyze our tank line, and this is definitely where I'm going to have to swap out one of my players, um, just because no Reinhardt. Um, it yeah. is tank line. It is on the side of the Detroit dudes. We have Space from the Los Angeles Gladiators, Gator of the Atlanta Rain, uh, Carrie Ann of the Florida Mayhem, and... You know what? I'm actually going to take out Carrie Ann and just put Note and a Mang both in. Because, uh, because I have Super as well. And uh, with Reinhardt being out, uh, Carrie Ann and Super are not going to see a lot of playtime this week. <laughs> and on the side of the underdogs, we have Hotba from the New York XL, Elivote from the Washington Justice, Dreamer from the Los Angeles Valiant, and Gamsu from the Dallas Fuel. Now, here's a fun fact. I do have Muma in my in my lineup, how and I would normally just keep him in whenever Outlaws is are playing because Muma is their only main tank. He's guaranteed play play time. However, he's not really been performing up to par recently, so it kind of forces me to bench him for for the time being until he can prove me up. No, otherwise, but regardless, I do think I have the superior tank lineup too. You know, uh, I'm going to disagree because I uh, just made a free agency swap <laughs> that uh, that really? I think is going to um, actually win me the week. Um, who did you pick up? So I, 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 I got rid of uh, Carrie Ann for Fate. And I think that is going to be what wins me the week. Because like we said, and I firmly do believe this... Um, I do believe that the Mayhem are a very good team. I think there's a lot of potential in the... Um, there we go. Put And I put Note in. So it's it's now Fate, Note, Space, and Gator for me. And honestly, uh, looking at our lineups here, I think that... I think that Space and Hotba uh, even each other out. I think those are two... Uh, the top two, honestly. I will even say. The top two. Off tanks in the league. I think space is better, but it's very close. I, I don't think you can claim in any way it's definitive. Um, uh, <laughs> um, um, music? I just yeah, saw it okay. too. Um, so, okay, hold on. Um, so, hold on. Let's, uh, let's, uh, so I know we were analyzing, and this is going to be the, the, the dankest, weirdest okay. podcast editing ever, because I'm just going to leave it like this. Um, uh, uh, okay. Breaking so, news. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, okay? <laughs> Let, why don't we finish analyzing our fantasy leagues and then bring up what just All right, well, um, you know, surprisingly, I wasn't playing Twilight in my, uh, in my uh, support lineup this week, so I guess that's a good <laughs> sign. <laughs> but anyways, back to analyzing the uh, head-to-head on Tang. Dreamer versus Gator. Dreamer has been has been earning his bread, in my opinion. Uh, if you know he Dreamer has been good. I, I I will give you that. Dreamer has been good. Um, do I think he's better than Gator? No, because I think Gator has been uh, a very standout player for the Atlanta Reign. Um, I think Gator still has the edge there. Um. Notes, <laughs> note and Gamsu notes stats are dependent on Gamsu stats, so I'm gonna say that's gonna be good. Um, and 
fate i have a lot of i have a lot of faith in fate um i think he can pull out really good numbers it's just hmm, i'm i'm not super sure to what extent so i'm going to say our tank lines are equal. I don't think yours is better than mine. I think my weakest parts might be just as weak as your weakest parts. But I guess this weekend we're going to have to find find out, depending on what, what's going to happen. Because, um, okay, so a little bit of a teaser to, um, no, to um, what we're going to talk about after this analysis. Let's just say that Elevote from my tank lineup and Fate from, no, from, uh, whatchamacallit, from Dylan's tank lineup, might not even see playtime <laughs> this week. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Yeah, yeah, but move, moving on, we'll discuss more about that li later. We have the support lineup, then on the side of Team Underdog, I have Grimzo, Chris, Kariv, and Dogman in my lineup. Well, um, <clears throat> um, and on the side of the Detroit dudes, we have Masa of the Atlanta Rain. We have Violet of the San Francisco Shock. Uh, we have Raucus of the Houston Outlaws, and uh, just acquired two seconds ago, <laughs> um, Fielder of the Paris Eternal. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I had to replace a player uh, there because uh, mm -mm, what's going to happen after this? Um, I'll give you credit. I think Dogman's great. I think Crimzo's great. I think Kareev is... Hmm... Great. I think Chris is a thrower. Um, Chris is the worst part of the, uh... Of the Florida Mayhem, personally, in my opinion. And, uh, I mean, you know what? Chris and Raucus kind of even out, uh, in terms of average pl performance because of the teams they're on. Um... I think Violet outplays all of your uh, all of your players. I think Fielder has a lot of potential this week, and Masa is solid in and of his own right. So, um, you know, I'll I'll give you a marginal bump in supports, but I think overall you're gonna get creamed this week. Music, you're gonna get just taken down by the Detroit dudes. Well. Uh, let let's just see. Um, do we want to go over our uh, bench plays, or do you think it's not really worth not worth mentioning? You know, I just dropped some bench players for an obvious reason. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just say Twilight is no longer on my roster. Uh, just like uh, you know, he's not on another certain roster. Uh, breaking news, everybody! Music, you. <laughs> <laughs> so, literally, that small break that. Dylan and I had while analyzing our fantasy league lineup, we get this notification. Overwatch League news, and I'm reading directly from the source. The Vancouver Titans have announced they are mutually parting ways with DPS player Yuzhong Haxel Kim, DPS Minsu Seo Minsu Seo, support Seunjin Slime Kim, DPS Chunky Stitch Lee. Support Najuseok Twilight Lee. Support Jaehong Ryu Jaehong Yu. And tank Chan Hyung Fisher Bake. Is it Bake or Bak? Whatever. Coach Yangwon Yangwon Kiwon. And coach Jaehong Adante Huang. 
Uh, that is the entire lineup, the entire staff of the Vancouver Titans gone the week before they're supposed to play. They have nothing. They have no one. They have, like, what do they do? This is, um... I, I, I think the best bet is to just pick up another contender's team. That's what they did with Runaway. Uh, this is, um... So, music, aren't you so glad I picked the time to record our podcast this week? <laughs> Apparently! Wow, um... But, mm, so, uh... Yeah, so, uh... Huh. <laughs> um, let's just say... Um... If... I think the Houston Outlaws are about to get a, a roster bump. Um... Who do you think they're going to pick up? Anyone from this team, except Fisher. Um, <laughs> no, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm even going to put Fisher as a pos- possibility because a lot of the Outlaws fans, when I was in their last wa- the watch party, they want the Outlaws to pick up another main tank. And right now, Fisher is probably their best bet. I mean, here's the thing. They have that connection with uh, um, Rappel and uh, the coach from the former Vancouver Titans that they picked up at the beginning of this year. I think they're more likely to get any of these players than anyone else. But man, if Jehong finds himself crawling back to Seoul Dynasty, his career is over. <laughs> I, uh, oh my god, this is... It, if en- if anything, I think Boston is going to pick up a couple of these Oh, they need to. They need to. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they absolutely need need to. Um, I don't know who's gonna pick up the coaches though. Though, like maybe Spark will pick up Yang one. No, Yang one. Maybe they'll also pick up Slime in the mix. But it's like, oh, so much. Ooh. The potential for where these players go is going to be incredible. And you know what? I say let's let's analyze that more on next week's show when we have a more clearer idea. This is breaking news right now. Um, but let's just say, yeah, Hacksaw, uh, Soman Su, Slime, Stitch, Twilight, Ryu Jehong, Fissure, Yang Wan, and Adante. Good luck in your future endeavors, because the Vancouver Titans... You're gonna are, need it! No, where? <laughs> but, yeah, and with that bombshell out of the way, that pretty much wraps it for this episode of Overwatch Now! Thank you everybody for tuning in for this roller coaster of an episode man this is the craziest episode we've recorded so far holy cow a four and it's only episode seven it's only episode seven not even ten episodes man. in well for music man and dylan the dude tune in next week because holy crap we're gonna have some <laughs> stuff to talk about hmm okay. have a good day everybody Hopefully you won't have a Vancouver Titans moment in your so life. So long, everybody. <laughs>